0: Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back. This is Game Store Profits, episode 18 of the show, where two geeks talk about God. My name's Luke Navarro. And I am lost in the shadow of industrial cookware. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not paying any attention to you whatsoever, Mike Perna. My brain is somewhere else entirely. It is in the uh, giant cooker that now lives
1: in my home. To give everybody a picture of the giant metal monstrosity that I'm talking about. Luke posted a picture. Now, he had talked about the fact that he was getting a new piece of gear, a new piece of kitchen equipment. Yeah,
0: a little background, a little background. I'm starting a catering company. It's called Fat of the Land Barbecue. I've been doing this for a couple since maybe October now.
1: And I'm expanding the business. Oh, that's expanding. Yeah. Basically the picture he posts is of something you know, bigger than my living space. Yeah, it's about the size. Have you seen one
0: of those uh that they made by I think Mercedes, the little smart cars? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit bigger than one of those. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a
2: it's a it's a big piece of gear. It it Does- is a
0: very large uh it is a a cooker, it's a barbecue and uh I am super excited. It got here yesterday. And so, uh, for the last two days, of course, and I think probably for about two weeks into the future, I have nothing else to think about. (laughs) I I have no other life other than coddling and and looking at the gleaming beauty of the stainless steel that is my new cooker.
1: Polishing it.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's a, my wife looked at it, and the first thing she said was, oh, it's never going to be this clean again. (laughs) Your wife knows, your wife knows. So I, that that is what I have been doing, <laughs> to I, say the least. I know you have been uh, out uh,
1: working on some changes in your life. What, what's going on with you? Oh my goodness, it has been crazy lately. It has been, like, tonight alone, I went to a worship night at the church, which was amazing. The worship night was great. Uh, I recruited the, the two missing players I needed to get Susan's Victoriana game going. Excellent. So, we'll be rolling their characters in the near future and I'm downright giddy about that. Um, I'm also neck deep in rental ap- applications because Susan and I are apartment hunting and it sounds it sounds to me just kind of following your Facebook experience that apartment hunting in uh, your neck of the woods not an easy thing to do. Oh my goodness, no it's not. Uh the first the first one we went to go look at was asking for quite a bit of money and it had things I hate like when they ask for a lot of money. Yeah, and uh in for those of you who may not live in New Jersey, New Jersey is freakishly expensive to live in. And uh like this apartment was not great and they were asking for quite a bit of money. And by not great, I mean, I opened a door and was face first in uh fiberglass insulation. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, it's that kind of that kind of place. This place that Missing we saw walls? tonight, right? Th- this place we saw tonight is gorgeous, but of course, because it's gorgeous, there's like four or five different couples who are looking for it. Oh, interesting! So we're hoping that they pick us, but you know, I would ask you guys to pray. But by the time this hits, we'll have already found out whether or not we're getting it. So. You know, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, I'll be telling you next episode about how awesome it is and how we're going to move in and all sorts of fun times. Very cool. Well, I'll pray for that, because I'm here. Because you're here,
0: and you're I now, am. and this is this is wonderful. Uh, and, uh, you know, I I certainly remember what it was like uh, to get our first place. Our first place was actually really easy to get. It was our second place that was intimidating, because it was halfway across the country. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's an exciting time and i love that you're like i'm getting an apartment with uh my soon to be wife and also i'm starting a game with
1: her this is this seems healthy to me oh you have it was great we were talking about it and uh just who's going to be playing is fun this is like a sibling game okay and it, it, i did not intend for this to happen but this is how it has has gone about the the players include well myself as the game master you've got my little brother You've got Susan, her little sister, my friend Bethany, and her sister.
2: <laughs> so nice.
1: not o- not but- only is this, this game odd because of the fact that it's, you know, a bunch of siblings, but it is also odd because it is four women and my
0: brother. See, to me, I think this just tests your GM skill set.
1: Oh, it definitely will, but, but at the same way, it's kind of a uh, little bit of a blessing because... Other than my brother, none of these people have ever played a role-playing game before. Mm. So I'm really starting to bring in a whole bunch of newbies into the world. And I'm excited about that. I mean, it lets me me play around a little bit and introduce them to what the game is like. Yeah, there's going to be moments where uh, I have to do a little hand-holding and be like, no, you know, you got to roll these dice. You have to just, you just got to trust me on this. You got to roll these dice. But other than that, I mean, I'm really excited because not only is it introducing them to new things, but it also means I can screw up horribly and they <laughs> won't even know. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. My I my theory when uh, at, at at
0: another point in my life I owned a tutoring company and uh my theory on tutoring was all you got to be is a little bit smarter than the kid you're tutoring. Nice. So, just a little just a little ahead of the game. You don't need to know everything. Uh my you know, speaking of Victoriana, uh last episode, somewhere in the middle of the episode, we said something
1: and we intended to get back to it. And we got so caught up in the nerd love we that did. We, com- we, we, we completely got... neglected to go back to it. You know, and it was a pretty cool conversation. It was a
0: conversation about God and the people that we love and, and how the people that we love teach us about our relationship with God. And That that was great and all, but, but we, we skipped this thing. And what we were talking about, we were talking about uh, you playing Victoriana and the kind of your experiences so far setting up that game and rolling those characters, and kind of you're looking looking a little forward into what the game is going to be like. And for you, one of the big differences was, as kind of, I'm, I'm not even sure how to say this, so maybe maybe you can kind of jump in. But the difference between the board gaminess of D and D four and the role playingness that you're seeing in Victoriana. And that maybe some of us remember from the earlier days of d and d and and you you had a
1: certain degree of discontentment about this well i I do want to clarify something I don't want to say that I have like absolute hatred for fourth edition d and I, I say this because literally tomorrow morning I'm driving down to my buddy's place, and the group of eight are now calling ourselves the group of twelve because we're considering significant others part of the group um we're getting together to play and we play 4th edition D&D. So I don't want to go about saying that I I hate this and it's a worthless game. All right, so
0: it is established you are not a hater, you are not a troll, but
1: however um like you Luke, I got I cut my teeth on D&D when it was when you didn't need maps, when you didn't need all this crazy stuff. When it was literally just a couple of guys sitting down, one guy would describe something, and then he'd go, what do you do? And then the other guy would come up with, well, this is what I do. And that led to a lot more creative uh, problem solving. It led to a lot more character development. Because you had to work your character into this situation. There was a lot of stuff going on in town. There was a lot of stuff. That you had to be able to interact with other people, otherwise you were, you couldn't proceed. Well, and without being able to see your
0: environment, even during the battle experiences, you had to do a lot of back-and-forth conversation with that DM to really understand where you were and what
1: attacks were happening and what what the ramifications of your actions might be. Absolutely, because you had to look two and three steps down the line... And figure out not only how your stuff was going on, but how it, you know, everyone else has affected it. But the thing that really got to me as I'm as I'm really investigating and, and writing out a plot for Victoriana. It's the fact that I miss a lot of that out of combat stuff when right. I'm playing D and D these days, mm-hmm. because my experience with D and D is that all the stuff you do in town in role playing mode is just to get to dungeon A. Where you just go room to room killing monsters or killing, you know, thieves or whatever to get some cool item. Well, I think we have also, you know, on the
0: show we've also sort of touted the whole D&D encounters thing. Yes. But that's, the thing is, is those are Delves. Yes. E- even if they are an ongoing series, and they are, I mean, they, they tend to be like, what, six or eight or ten, twelve weeks, whatever they are. There's still a series of
1: Delves. It's a go in cave A, kill monster B, come out with shiny thing C. Right.
0: Now, so I want to do a little sort of uh, memory augmentation here. Okay. Because I I honestly, I don't remember. So I remember when I played the game, when I first started playing D&D, and remember, folks, for me, there was a big gap, right? I remember paper-drawn maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sketches. I remember a lot of conversation, a lot of back and forth. it's Games taking hours and hours and hours, and a whole lot of imagination and shared storytelling. And oh well, what if we did this? Or what's this thing like? What could I do with this? And so, a couple of things that I want to try to try to clear up in my memory, Mike. One, okay, were we doing that simply because we were playing the poor kid version
2: <laughs>
0: of Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> There is a
1: degree of that.
0: (laughs) I I think that might have been the case. I think we might have had, like, one, like, you know, the DM book and the the player handbook and, like, the monster manual that we literally all would fight over through the entire gaming experience. (laughs) And that and, you know, uh, a couple of pizzas from Little Caesars and ice cream from Rite Aid. And we were happy. Uh, But. So, was it that,
1: or do you, was it the game? Was the game no, built that way, and has the game changed? The short answer is yes. Um, I I mean, there have always been, you know, minis that you can get, and there's always been that stuff. But that was always just for flavor. It wasn't a, a requirement. These days, you are, because of the way the game is written, because of the way the powers are written, even even the way the powers function... If you don't have a map, you're not playing fourth edition. If you don't have some, I don't care if you're using miniatures or you're using like pennies. You need something to say, this is me. This is him. I do this, move this here. And then he moves this. And when you say map, you mean gridded map. I mean a gridded, right. you know, either, you know, well, pretty much with D&D, it's squares. Right. And And it's, it's whether you drew it or you bought something or you got tiles or whatever you're using there has to be a grid involved otherwise the combat doesn't function the way the game writes it now granted this is D&D and as we said way back in the first episode D&D is whatever the game master makes it so yeah you can yeah, fudge it and yeah. but the way the game is written you can't play this game without it and the way this game is written now, my buddies and I add and take away stuff from the modules all the time. But if you just go from point A to point B in a module, it literally is: go to town, talk to this guy. This guy tells you to go here. You go there. You kill things. You become the hero. Right. That's all it is. Well, okay. and, go ahead. And the the combat involved with that is literally just: I'm going to use this power and this power, and I'm going to I'm going to use this power. It's never, you know that granted there are ways of using like improvised weaponry and you know i'm going to use this uh piece of scenery right. or whatever but again that's complicated whereas go in you know it it's basically the role playing version of button masher which can be really fun and some guys really get jazzed about the the combat and the tactics and and i enjoy it for what it is but the more d the, the more fourth edition I've played, the more I realize that that's not my experience with a role playing game right that that's it is a game and it is fun and I love playing it but that's that's not the role playing games i remember the uh The thing that really tipped me off to this was when when Susan was creating her victoriana character, her victoriana character is worthless in a fight mm, yeah there you go she's worth and in fact her character didn't point this out to me, but there, there are complications that your characters can have, partly to increase role-playing and partly to get more points for character creation. One of the complications is pacifist. Your character actively avoids fighting. You don't have that in D&D right. anymore. Your character cannot be anything other than a min-max right. juggernaut.
0: Yeah, you're totally right. I'll tell you, there are three things about my experience of 4.0 that I, I don't know that I'd call them problems, but the things that I wasn't expecting. The first one is, is that you can have almost no uniqueness about your characters, and that's going to seem ridiculous because there are so many variables that you can make. They, they, I mean, they've got between the, the paragons and between the just everything, and all of the classes and all of the races, you've got a ton of variety. But what you can't do is you can't come along and say I'm going to be a librarian, right? Or you know whatever the case might be, or I'm going to I'm not going to fight, or or whatever. You you are pretty strictly limited, and along the way in telling the story, you can't be like oh hey I found this crazy thing, and this thing does this, or this thing will change me. And you're just restricted a lot more. At least I feel like in my experience of the game,
2: a lot more.
1: There there's definitely an aspect of um just unless you're rewriting the game. Yeah. And you can But you can. It allows for it, but you are you are changing the game to but do you that. Can't, you can't you it's not as
0: readily available in what you might want to call like a pickup no,
1: game. To have to have an honest to goodness role playing experience that doesn't lead to combat an experience, like like a plot line or an experience that does not lead to combat, you have to add that, because wizards will not. Right. I think the second thing that
0: really surprised me was the fact that I was like, hey, I'm not good at this game. Right. In the past, it was really hard to be bad at D&D. You could just be differently good. Right. But now, it's like, you need to understand the game mechanics and manipulate the game mechanics. Like you said, you need to min-max, basically. And if you if you come in with a character who's not min maxed, you're going to be like, "Hey, oh, good! I do my standard action. I'm done. I'm out of here. See ya." Right. Uh, but the third thing, the one that
2: really, for me, makes it uh, a step down in fun, are skill challenges. Yeah, you were saying. I do
0: not like this. What what, what? 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 Okay, take ten skill checks. If you pass seven of them, you win. So why can't can I just roll all ten dice right now?
2: <laughs> doesn't matter what i'm doing doesn't matter I, i'm just gonna do the skill check against whatever my highest skill is it's it's that that's that? not fun to me it's not i i want to you know
0: if i come across a perilous spot on uh, walking past a wet cliff where i i might slip and fall to my doom I don't want to just roll ten dice to decide whether or not I make it all the way down the cliff. Can we right. at least pretend there's a story in here? Can at least we? Can we at least pretend that I'm scrambling to grab onto mm-hmm. my buddy's axe that he, he threw down to me to help me to cleave into the side of the
1: rock? Something. Just rolling dice isn't interesting. Well, and and what's what I? The more I started thinking about this, the more I realized that. It's playing out in, in the game that I play. And again, I love this game for what it is. I enjoy the combat. I enjoy all the fun stuff. I enjoy getting my little miniature out. Um, but there's, there's a certain aspect that I'm missing because there have been certain moments in the game that, that we're playing now that, um, have been really great and have gotten us cheering and we're excited and this is awesome. Almost every one of them. Was written by our GM. Hmm. Almost every one he had to make up a mechanic for because it wasn't in the game, and it, you know it just it it upsets me a little bit because I I have such fond memories of old school D anD D and and doing this stuff that I don't like the fact that it's become a board game and if you don't have the right miniatures you're you know you're gonna break the fourth wall as it were and right. And, you know, and even then, like, I've come up with all this awesome RP stuff, and I've come up with all this cool stuff with, like, my little minions that I've got behind me and everything like that. None of that stuff's going to get to play out, because all it's going to show up in this game is, uh, you know, my my GM's going to let me have a daily power, which is cool, but I want my guys to be more than just, I'm going to call you in to shoot this guy for me. Yeah, man, I- I'll tell you, you know some of the best gaming experiences
0: have been inside the taverns, not inside the dungeon.
2: Yeah. And it's just, there, I mean, there's no taverns anymore. I mean, unless your GM creates it.
1: Right. So, I mean, while I still enjoy the game and I will continue to say that left, right and sideways, it's still a game worth playing. Oh, absolutely. But it's not, it's not the kind of game that I'm looking for. I I have told people six ways to Sunday that I'm very excited about this Victoriana game because I really think it's going to be much more my my kind of game than D and D has become. Now I'm really intrigued by what's going to happen with fifth edition because who knows what the heck they're <laughs> yeah. going to do with that one? Who knows? So I have no idea. I mean, I I you know I, what you know what I think is actually interesting is.
0: While the actual role-playing game experience is becoming more gamish,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so much of the video game experiences are becoming more role-playish. Oh yeah, and so I just I think that's that. a really crazy dynamic that's happening, and I, I think that eventually we're, we're going to find a better fusion of these two.
2: And I, I at hope. At least so. I hope we are.
0: I hope we are. Yeah. Now, Mike. Also, uh, kind of with this Victoriana game, this is a big deal for you. Uh, and, you know, we have talked about it last week. We talked about it because you're playing with your soon-to-be wife. Yes. But, but really, uh, you have, through this game and through this game that you're setting up, for lack of a better word, you've evangelized role-playing games. I have how, how many people in this game coming up are new to the, to the experience?
1: Out of the five player characters that are in this game, only one has ever played any kind of role-playing game before. None of them have played Victoriana before. So, four out of five, this will be their first role-playing game experience. And so, you know, I think... I You know, it's almost...
0: We hate to use the word, because, of course, this is a Christian show, and we, we kind of... You know, we hold to the... The original meaning of the word, but but this the idea of evangelism, and and you know people use it all over the place, right? You can be a tech evangelist, or you can be uh, an evangelist for a particular social position.
1: Well, uh, I was even I I've been listening to uh, a whole bunch of gaming podcasts, and one of them, probably one of the more legendary in stature, is one called Fear the Boot. And Fear the Boot, they use this term of evangelizing new players all the time and is the,
0: it do they and when they're using the term does it feel to you like they're
1: they they feel weird about the term or are they no. are they're passionate about what they're doing they they are passionate about what they're doing and now some of them uh they they have an active policy of not talking religion and politics on their podcast and i mm. can respect we that We don't have that policy. We have we completely throw that policy yeah. out the window. Yeah. But um but I mean, a couple of the guys do mention that they go to church and everything like that, and so it's an interesting uh, dynamic with the whole thing. I think that's probably where they've come up with this word because, while it's not strictly relegated to Christian talk, it's it's most a Christian often word. it it's become a Christian
0: word. It, well, it is a Christian word that I think is becoming not. Yes, I think that there are a lot of people who will hear the word evangelism, and if you don't say, uh. Evangelical Right If you just say evangelism They probably don't have very much religious Connection to that word But I just think it's interesting That you know you listen to the guys on Fear the Boot And they
1: are passionately
0: Evangelizing
1: Their interest Oh absolutely I mean these guys These guys have made me up my game Listening to them talk about role playing games Has seriously made me reconsider How I play and have, have Upped my game since substantially, based on what they've been talking about. So, like,
0: we want to today try to talk about this concept of evangelism. And, you know, you and I, at the beginning, when we're doing our little prep for this show, mm-hmm. uh, we kind of admitted
1: to each other, we're not real sure how to take this today. You know, we we came up with a topic, we're like, yeah, that sounds really cool, but at the same time, it's, it's... It's one thing to understand that it's a cool topic, and it's one that's worth talking about. It's another to to really put it into words and put it into illustrations that not only understand evangelism as a, a general Christian topic, but specifically for us, this whole idea of, of geek Christianity and how we can kind of couch it in our camp as it were. Right. And so folks, I, we kind of apologize ahead of time because,
0: because here's the thing that weirds me out about this is I don't see them the same. Okay. I don't see trying to get my buddy Kevin to play the old Republic The same as talking to a friend who doesn't know Jesus. Uh, They're on a totally different level, but the thing is, is the process is kind of similar. Right. And the way you can go about both of those processes is kind of similar. So, Mike, one thing that we kind of came to a realization of as we were prepping this show is that you and I, different people... (laughs) Completely and totally different in this regard. <laughs> I am super quiet. I don't I don't get up in front of people. I don't tell people what I do. I, and I realize that I'm hosting a geeky podcast right now. But in general, <laughs> in life, people are surprised when they find out about me. Right. And that is the same with regards to my geekiness, and it's the same with regards to... To my faith that it's also the same with regards to a lot of things. People are surprised when they find out that I'm like a crazy dad. People are surprised when they find out that I have a gigantic smoker in my backyard. But I realize that's surprising.
1: But Well, come on. In all honesty, that's surprising to it, everyone. That surprises everybody. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, I'm such an introvert,
0: such a quiet person, and you are explosively
2: loud.
1: <laughs> I I am very much not i am the i am the polar opposite of that i have nothing but loud craziness flowing and emanating throughout my person um in fact it's often you know a little awkward for my fiance because she's also very introverted and she has to deal with me being loud and ridiculous and and uh i'm very upfront with the way i handle god very upfront with the way i handle geekdom i fly both flags very proudly and uh yeah, I have no problem just shouting out to the four winds pretty much about everything. You know,
2: for a long time I actually felt sort of deficient in my Christianity because I'm such a quiet person.
0: Uh I felt like, well, and especially you realize, you know, going to a a preeminent evangelical seminary, um I I felt like, oh, I I I'm sort of I must be missing something. I must not be a very good Christian. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Mike, I don't know if you did this, but my first year at DTS, I took an evangelism class. Yes. And one of the required assignments, you had to do this, was to go to the Texas State Fair and do fair evangelism. Folks who haven't lived in Texas, the Texas State Fair is something like Disneyland, it's with, ginormous. With, with booths
1: of fried food.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, the fried food is good, but everything else, it, it's gigantic. And they have this these ginormous tent building things, and inside there is everything, right? If you want to buy a jacuzzi, it's there. If you want to raise a goat, it's there. And everything in between...
1: And often right next to each other.
0: Yeah, oh, well, for sure. It's all just crammed in there. And so they take me, quiet little old me, and they stick me in one of these booths. And <laughs> they literally put duct tape on the ground and say, You're not allowed to leave this duct oh, tape man. area. They put behind me the biggest dispensational timeline wall thing that anybody in the world has ever seen. Oh, my. And say, There you go. You need to talk to, I think it was like 16 people about Jesus today. This was, for me, like the most horrifying experience of my life. And then other students in the class were like, cool, I'll do it three times. I'm like, I don't, I must be missing something. (laughs) So this is very early, obviously. Uh, Not very early, but this is earlier in my ministry career. Fast forward a decade or more and i'm interviewing for a job and the uh, fellow interviewing me this is to be a uh, church planter in san francisco and the guy interviewing me uh he says in a in a deep southern drawl, nice. son would you consider yourself a soul winner? and i <laughs> i i'm not from the south so i said uh, what now sir a soul winner? <laughs> <laughs> and after about the third try, I realized that he was saying a soul, soul winner. winner. Look, man, i if you sit down and talk to me one-on-one, I know I just said I'm quiet, but if you sit down and talk to me one-on-one, I will talk
2: forever. You cannot shut me up Truth. on a personal level. I had no idea what to say to this man. <laughs> and that bugged
0: me. And I sat there, and I sat probably for 15 seconds, too long
2: in an interview process, right? And I thought about it and I said, well, I just don't know. Well, I've led a cer- certainly led a number of people to
0: Christ, but all I can tell you is this that a whole lot of people come into my life,
2: not Christians, and end up being them. End up being a Christian. Did I do that? I have no idea. But that's what happened. People come into my life, they live their life right next to me, and eventually, most of them become believers. And I never
0: necessarily sit down and tell them, this is what you gotta do, this is how you are, this is, I never do the confrontational. I'm guessing you're a little different, Mike.
1: Well, yes and no. I try to avoid the confrontational thing. Um, basically, I have discussions. And pretty much, if somebody's coming at me, I, I try to turn the conversation back to them. Uh, like, like, a common question that I get asked all the time is, oh, is this, is this a sin? If I do this, is that a sin? My response is usually something along the lines of, if I said yes, would it make a difference? And, and they're often taken aback by that, because they're, they're expecting the yes or no answer, this is or this isn't. And I, I leave them with that. I said, if I told you that that was a sin, would it make a difference to you? And a lot of times... It's the stuff that that people would never think about that would lead to a a discussion about the nature of God that I use. There was one time when I was, when I was younger, I I was a good little boy and I never drank at all of of the alcoholic persuasion. And then at some point I discovered that there are beers that I enjoyed and once I became of age I started drinking them. Well, I I took a sip of my brother's beer because he said, Oh, I'm sure you'd like this one if you tried it. And I held up my hand. I said, okay, let me try it.
2: All these guys start yelling, They're Like, Oh, really? You, you can do that. <laughs> and I said, uh, huh.
1: I, I'd like to try it. Can it, before I knew it, guys were upstairs. Cause there was a whole group of them guys were yelling upstairs. Berta's brother's going to have a beer. And I took a sip of it. And I go, you know, I, I really like it. i as it stands. It, it's a beer that I do actually enjoy. And, uh, but that led to a whole conversation about what the Bible actually says, as opposed to what people think it says. Mm. And then that led to the idea of, of who God is and what God thinks is important. And, and I had like four or five guys who were sitting on my kitchen, kitchen floor listening to me talk about God because I took a sip of my brother's beer. I've been there so many
2: times where the entire room stops and goes, what? And then all of a sudden they pay attention. Yeah. I I actually think that really what it's about is, is it's about destroying stereotypes.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's, I, I honestly say that's at least half of my ministry. It, it's
0: I, well, and evangelism is about destroying stereotypes. And the unfortunate thing is a lot of times when we teach evangelism, and, and I've been a certified evangelism teacher, okay? So yes. I'm talking to me here.
1: Me too. Um, we teach stereotypes. We very much do. We, we,
0: we encourage people to be the stereotype because, to be honest, it's easy to teach. And it's also easy to learn. Because it's a structure. Right, absolutely. It's a it's a nice
2: system, it's easily managed, it's easily understood, and it works! Oh yeah. Sometimes, for some people. Right. Unfortunately, at least in my case, for the people who I know and love, by and large it didn't work. And I knew that it wasn't going to work while I was doing it. And so
0: I had to kind of discover this other way, and... And really, I didn't even discover it. I just kind of gave
2: up. Mm. Just, I, can't, I can't convince these people to become believers. So I just kind of gave up. And just went about living. And eventually, they kind of come around. And so I, I think it's really about breaking those stereotypes. And that doesn't
0: mean, you know, go out there and party. It doesn't mean go out there and drink if you're <laughs> not a drinker or whatever. But
1: what it means is about being really, really authentic. Well, I think that's the 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 big thing about it. Um, I had to defend the idea of what's what some people have termed as friendship evangelism. And the big thing for me is that whole the whole concept of friendship evangelism is is that by by living like Jesus, I will win people to Christ. And in a way, that's true. But at the same point, if you you can live the most godly, wonderful, awesome life ever, and if you never say. It's because of Jesus. What What are you doing? the The big thing with me, well, I would argue, you're not. <laughs> right. Exactly. One thing that I I think I've cited it before on the podcast, and if I have, if I have, then just run with it. Um, there's a, a movie called The Big Kahuna. Right. It's Kevin Spacey and Danny DeVito, and I should know who the other guy's name is, but I don't. And. The, this other third guy he's your straight A, you know straight-laced bible thumping baptist kid and the other two characters basically rip on him the whole the whole time and at one point uh Danny DeVito's character has this epic speech and i think i think i may have posted it on uh, our facebook page because it's it's truly epic and he looks at this kid and he goes uh you selling Jesus is no different than Larry selling lubricant. And that statement alone was epic to me
2: Hmm.
1: because so many times that's how we see evangelism is that, you know, I'm going to convince you like, like uh, what do I need to do to put your faith in Christ today? Right. Like, like I'm going to win. I think, I think that that sells. It's so short. Now granted, there are people who do that i've oh, met sure. several for sure I've met several. I have watched them operate, and they I've are not it. in they are not ingenuine when they do it. I have seen guys walk up to perfect strangers, just randomly start up conversations about Jesus, and they are there's no lack of sincerity in anything they do. They are just gung ho awesome, driven guys, and I love them for it that's not how I roll right at the same time. I really think that you have to make sure that Jesus is a part of your conversation. Not in a, I'm gonna do this so that he's gonna, gonna believe something. It's, if Jesus has really taken a hold of who you are, if your faith is that important to you, you don't have to inject him into your conversation. He shows up. When you have an amazing time at a church service or you have a great time of prayer or there's a time when, when you're just reading your Bible and, and God really speaks to you, when somebody – like, I have no problem. When somebody at work looks at me and says, you know, how's it going, I will say things like, oh, my – I had a really blessed time at this retreat. The kids were really getting close to God. It was a really cool thing. I really saw God do some amazing things in their lives this weekend. I I don't stop to say, "Oh, by the way, are are you a Christian?" I I don't stop and and say, "Well, I understand you don't believe this, but I just say, "Dude, I just saw God do something truly amazing this weekend." Hmm. Now, if if you start quoting numbers at me, like how many people have I led to Christ this year or anything like that, my numbers aren't going to be so super great. But at the same point, I think I've I've made an impact in the lives of people in different ways well
2: let me let me kind of think about it like this and that is is your life a ministry right and are you ministering
0: to people now who knows what condition the people that you come across
2: might be in right who knows what they might need they might need to come to jesus or maybe they've already they did that a
0: long time ago, maybe they need help with their family life, or maybe they need help with a personal thing they're dealing with or or whatever the case might be and you know for me i I say that I'm a quiet person, I am very much an introvert, right, But when it comes down to one on one relationships, I will let you as far in as you want to come right i come on, let's go, let's walk together and and I will I will tell you everything that is going on in my life that's appropriate to share.
2: And I have I I have no problem letting you know that I'm struggling. I have no problem letting you know that I am celebrating. Uh I've got no problem letting you watch
0: as I interact with my kids in a way that I think is a a way of Jesus, way of interacting with my kids. Or how I, I, you know what, man? If you want to have dinner with me, I will tell you about God at that dinner. Because that's how I live. And for me, food is a God thing. And I will, you know, you want to make dinner with me? And boy, howdy will I tell you about God through that experience. Because that's how I think about that experience. I'm not Mm. trying to convince you about God, and so I'm going to use these things in my life to convince you. No, that's how I think about it. That for me, cooking is a God thing, and because of that, I share it. And um, you know, I think what we're coming down to here is the kind of difference between what you might call an active evangelism and a passive evangelism. Right. Both of those require the same core thing. You know, you talked about how there are guys who are so just like on fire and so connected; they're gonna they can just go out there and in a second
2: talk to somebody. And be on a spiritual level. Right. Guess what? You also have to be really on fire and really passionate to talk to somebody you see every single day in a completely mundane conversation and show them your experience of God. Because yeah. you got to be connected with God or you're going to just not be a very good evangelist. I mean, that's like rule one, that your evangelism is going to be limited by... The health of your faith.
0: And I, actually, I kind of think that if you just work on the health of your faith, there's a pretty good chance that you, any evangelism issues you have will go away. Right. But then the second thing is just this this openness, honesty, and uh, authenticness in your relationships. And whether that's a relationship that's,
2: that came into existence 10 seconds ago or 10 years ago. Right.
1: Well yeah. I think I think that's that's a a big part of it because the most impact that I've seen in my own life impacting the lives of others is that that idea of honesty cuz more often than not I mean especially around here um it's it's an interesting vibe doing ministry in New Jersey to give you a hint as to what it's like there are guys that I met at DTS who are from some of what what some people in missions agencies will call the most lost places out there. And a couple of them looked at me and said, holy cow, you're from New Jersey. We we're, we're hear it's awful there. And they're not talking about, you know, n- you know, the old jokes about nuclear waste dumps and, and that stuff. They're talking about spiritually. They think, oh, my goodness, we've heard of how bad it is in New Jersey. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it is. But a lot of times it's because of stereotypes that people have had. And it's because of just awful past experiences they've had with churches and with with different things. And a lot of it is because they've been told throughout their existence that in order to be loved by God, you have to follow rules. And these rules are not just be a good person or even rules that you'll find in Scripture. They're this long litany of rules that have been handed down from generation of generation of people who've been trying to control them. So I come along and I say, dude, if it was about being a good person, I'd be screwed. And a lot of times people will hear that and they're like, what? Aren't, aren't you a preacher? I said, yeah, I am. And I'm going to tell you straight up, if it were about being a good person, I would be royally screwed. In fact, I'd be more screwed than you are because the Bible says that anybody who tries to teach the word of God is held doubly responsible for what's in it. And I screw up often, Hmm. but it's not about that. It is about the fact that, that God looked into my life and the lives of all the world and said, you are worth dying for. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to take this, this broken, awful relationship. I'm going to take this separation that your sin brought on. I'm going to pay the penalty that you deserve. Because this needs to be made right, and you can't do it, but I can.
0: You know, I'm trying to figure out how to word this so that I can communicate it clearly. There is a certain negative aspect to our faith and to evangelism. Uh, We are sinners. We are broken and screwed up and screwed, okay? Yeah. (laughs) And without acknowledging that negative aspect, you're not going to come to... Event, you're, you're not going to come to Christ. You have to acknowledge
1: that somewhere in the process. You don't. You don't come to a savior if you don't think you need to be saved. That's for sure. And so, because of that, so often we have this sort of this negative
0: based evangelism, where the I mean, we will train people to the first thing that you do is convince people they're a sinner, and again, that works. But there is a flip side to that as well. You can have a positive based evangelism because. We have to remember that after we come across the cross and we begin to live in the way of Jesus, potentially, at least, most of the time, really good things happen, you know? And so much of my uh, evangelism, I guess, or my impact in ministry has been people look at my life and go,
2: your life's kind of cool. Can I do that? Sure. Come on. I'll show you how. And somewhere along the way, they learn about Jesus. So, I'm going to do something I don't normally do. I'm going to talk about my kids.
0: And uh, something Aww. that one of them is doing right now. And so, God forbid, that uh, sometime in the future, she is Googling who her dad was and finds his <laughs> podcast. Uh,
2: and if she does, I apologize. Um, so, my, uh, my daughter, who is eight, um, is a story kid.
0: Okay? She reads like crazy. And her entire life is a running story in her brain. And she is the author in that story. The problem is, is when other people want to come in and try to tell some of that story. She doesn't like that. And and it's (laughs) not that she doesn't, she's not mean about it, but but somebody will say, well, what about this? And she'll say no. And what I'm trying to teach her right now is to not say no. Mm. Is that when we say no to people, nothing good happens. There are times we have to say no because there's There's bad things happening. There's sinful things happening. But most of the time, if you come into somebody's life, somebody who you care about, somebody who is your friend, and tell them no, they're not going to respond well to you. But if you can tell them yes, if you can make Jesus a yes for them, you're going to go so much farther. If you can show them how Jesus is going to take their life and, and not focus on all of their brokenness. Man, they know their brokenness if you can say hey look this is the beauty that can come from a life in Christ people want beauty people want a, a life that's, that's worth celebrating and you know so for me I, that's another part of the thing is, is to be positive about it And, you know we talk about geek stuff I think that's why it's so easy to be an evangelist for geeky things Right? because they're fun <laughs> you we know?
1: enjoy them they're, 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 you're never gonna evangelize something that's, that sucks, <laughs> I mean. Hi, I, hello friends, I hate this thing, yeah. but you should really love it. Yeah, you're never gonna hear me say, hey, you should try EVE Online, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> Do you love boring economics? Try EVE Online. No, but, I mean, see, there's one, one story in the Bible that is often, Well, the story is not overlooked, but there's part of the story that's overlooked. Um, it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not an overlooked story. Not an overlooked story. But everyone loves to, to just say, oh, yeah, they were, you know, they stood up for God and, and they were going to get thrown into the fire, but God saved them in the fire. But there's a moment standing at the top of this fire, looking at, at awful, horrible, fiery death. When the king looks at them and says, I'm going to give you one last shot. Forget the whole god thing. Bow down to this statue, we'll call it square, we're fine. And they look at him and say, "We believe in a god who can save us from the fiery furnace." And that's where most of the people stop yeah. the story. <laughs> There's a but. <laughs> that's where most of the people stop the story at we we serve a god who can save us from the fiery furnace. But the story continues to say, "But even if he does not, we're still not going to bow down to your statue." The idea being that that Following God and worshiping God and knowing God is in itself an amazing, wonderful, life-changing thing. That whether God does something truly awesome for us or not in a I'm-going-to-save-you-from-this-difficulty kind of way, he has already done an amazing, wonderful thing just by being him and, and letting us be a part of that. Um, There was a, a, a quote that that's, that they put up tonight and I can't remember the exact, the, the exact quote but it was something along the lines of if God does nothing for me for the rest of my existence I will still follow him because I have already accrued a giant debt to him that I can never repay because God has done so much for us God has offered up redemption when we absolutely didn't deserve it we did not deserve it, we do not deserve it and we never will. But he offered up everything. He offered up himself for us. And yeah, uh, that that is my evangelism spiel. I, I I came knowing nothing but Christ and him crucified because I can't think of anything bigger or better than that. Oh, I'm like I don't I'm not real sure how to wrap this show up
0: to be honest with you. <laughs>
2: At this point, we should
0: do some fancy podcasting thing and some fancy preacher thing and tie it all together somehow. So go ahead and do that, Mike.
2: You want me to wrap this up? Yeah, tie it Um, all
0: together. Make it all make sense.
1: You can do it. You went to seminary. Take the, so did you. Stop that. (laughs) The idea that I think it keeps coming home, and I'll kind of use this story to wrap it up. Um, My buddy Zach, who is possibly one of my best friends in existence, when we were kids and I had just become a Christian, he looked at me and said, if you you didn't tell me about God, it either means you don't honestly believe it or you don't care enough about me to tell me. And that conversation has done wonders for my outlook on evangelism. Because if you love God, and you know who God, who God is. You know what he's done. And you know how he has impacted your life. It's the natural outflow to tell other people about it. And if you, actu- and if you actually care about other people, if you actually love other people the way they, they should be loved, then you can't know what you know about God and not tell them. And the rest of it you leave up to God, because really, he's the only one who saves anyone anyway. You can have the best song and dance spiel on the planet, but if God's not in it, nothing's going to happen. I don't care if it's, you know, anything you're passionate about. If you really care about it, you tell other people about it. If you love a video game, you tell other people about it. If you love a book, you tell other people about it. If you love God... You should especially tell other people about him, and that might look completely different for everybody out here that's listening to this. Some of you might be street preachers I've known many some of you might you know write blogs and and do wonderful things. Some of you might just love for one on one conversations, but if you love God, you find a way to tell other people about him. It's just what you do I think that uh I think you did a pretty good job. I do what I can for you, Luke. I do what I can.
0: Uh, it's funny. I think last episode uh, we called it nerd love. We you know, did. It was about a whole different kind of love. But really, it it does come down to, like you said, it, it's about loving. And it's about loving God, and it's about loving our neighbor. And uh, you know, I'm actually I've learned uh, from the Old
2: Testament that there's one other one in there, and that's love life. And you do those three. I think that's evangelism. It'll come out. And, uh, you know, maybe you're going to jump on a podcast and
0: tell people about your love of geeky things and about your love of God. Uh, But probably not. And if you do, tell us. We'll link to you. But you do have the chance to get out there and and to be there with your friends and to be there with your neighbors and to be there with your coworkers. And uh, show them how much you love God and how much you love them. Mike, How can folks find out uh, a little bit more about you?
1: Uh, I can say for the first time on our podcast Perception Check now has its own domain. Alright. The blog that I created uh, for those of you who may not have listened to previous episodes, I created a blog to kind of be an overflow um, because not everything that Luke and I talk about off mic is something that is fit to be put on mic uh, either because of just it's a different type of medium or we, we run long or things like that. Um, so perception check is going to be the place where that is. Uh, it can be found at, uh, perception dash check.com. Wow. Somebody had perception check. Perception check was taken. Wow. That's sad. But with the uh, dash is just fine. With the dash is just fine. Um, that's gonna be my blog to talk about all sorts of geeky things. You'll see me, uh, telling stories, you'll hear me talking about games, uh, all sorts of different stuff. I will probably post cool stuff about Victoriana games and my D&D game. I will probably post up random, you know, craziness. Uh, I have an idea about po- posting something about my, my thoughts on the whole Coney video that went ridiculous. <laughs> that it did? Hooray for viral media! Um, but yeah, it'll just be a random collection of stuff. If you want to, re- you know, read more about my stories and things like that, TinkerStory.com is the way to go. You can also find links to eat on either one of those blogs to all my fun stuff, like various emails and t- and uh, twitters and stuff like that. Luke, how about yourself? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter
0: at Luke Navarro, and uh, lately you'll be uh, you'll be hearing an awful lot about. Uh, stuff i'm doing for work uh in terms of barbecue
1: and food and uh my crazy attempts to start uh, I, a business i gotta tell you man i wish we were on the same coast because i can only imagine the amazing things that are going to come out of that giant metal monster you've got in your backyard well I, I hope so and
0: i hope uh i hope people enjoy it if you're into barbecue you can uh you can find out more about my company uh on twitter at Fat of the land f-a-t-t-a-t-h-e-l-a-n-d Find out more about this show at GameStoreProfits.com or on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. We put a lot of stuff on the Facebook page. We don't put much on the website. Uh, It's a lot easier to put it on the Facebook page, to be honest with you, so if you're on Facebook, definitely come check us out. We put a lot more there. Uh, And as always, you can head over to iTunes or to uh, any of RSS feed, uh, any
1: RSS reader or any podcatcher and subscribe and to the show we would love it if you got on iTunes and said good things about us because we're I was explaining this the other day we're kind of a niche market here uh, do you think? <laughs> um, we it, we had long conversations about what category to put this podcast in because we're too geeky for Christian podcasts and too Christian for geeky podcasts so uh, be sure to hop on iTunes and give us, like, wonderful five-star reviews so that it pops up higher on on uh, the different charts and everything so that people can find us.
0: Yeah, I, I do really wonder sometimes, like, what happens when people are looking through the list of Christian podcasts and see Game Store
1: Profits? That has to throw people off. I kind of like that a hey. little bit, but we need your help. A- Every time every time Luke you tell me how many people have been listening to us I am humbled and amazed and a so, little and a little weirded out <laughs> but uh, but we're mostly that, humbled and amazed. <laughs> we're glad
0: that you're listening. We're glad that you like us. Love God. Love geeky stuff. So go out there remember that
2: God is the game master and no matter how those dice fall and no matter what gaming system you're using
1: the game plays <laughs> on.